This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the spring of 2023, we'll be studying chapters 12 through 21 of John. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and Amber Vaden is our co-host. Amber, I am so glad you're a part of these conversations, and uh, I've enjoyed having a co-host for this podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Dwayne. I'm glad to be a part of these and and appreciate getting to do this. Mike Livingston's with us again. Mike was with us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, Mike, thank you for being with us again. Today, we're going to be looking at session five, which is uh, an examination of John 15, 1 through 17. The summary statement for this lesson is Jesus is the source of life and spiritual growth. This particular study starts right off the bat with the statement, I am the true vine. This is the seventh of the seven I am statements most folks recognize in the Gospel of John. And so all of those previous ones are kind of coming together. They're all on pack item three. Uh, one thing you may want to do in pack item three is you have that on the wall or on a screen somehow. Uh, go ahead and be adding the passages to uh, that pack item. John 6 for I am bread, John 8 for I am the light of the world, John 10 for I am the door to the sheep or for other sheep, John 10 also for I am the good shepherd, John 11 I am the resurrection, John 14 6 I am the way the truth and life which we looked at when Mike was with a with us last time and then here in John 15 I am the true vine. But we've outlined this passage with these three points: pruned, joy and love. Pruned comes from verses 1 through 8 of chapter 15. In these verses, Jesus announced that he is the true vine and the father is the gardener. The father prunes the vine so that every branch produces fruit. Believers are unable to produce godly fruit alone. They must remain in Christ. Those who are not connected to Jesus face judgment. The point for us is that believers are being pruned by God so they can be more fruitful. We'll talk more about that in a little bit here, Mike. Second point, joy looks at verse 9 through 11. In these verses, Jesus explained that the Father loved him and therefore loved his disciples. Jesus challenged them to remain in his love, keeping his commands. Obedience because of faith in Jesus brings joy. The point for us is that believers find joy through obedience. The last section of this particular study, John 15, 12 through 17, we've entitled Love. In these verses, Jesus reiterated the command to love others just as Jesus had loved them. Laying down a person's life for another person is the greatest expression of love. And Jesus identified obedience to him as a characteristic of his friends and as those to whom he revealed the words of the Father. Jesus chose those who would produce abiding fruit, connecting answered prayer with spiritual fruit. For us, we can understand that believers love others because they are friends of Jesus. Mike, right off the bat, we see this idea of vine and branches. 
how can we help our listeners get a better handle or better understand this idea of vine and branches? Not something all of us have in our backyard, most likely. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's 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 all about the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. It's all about that connection between them. Um, I mean, this this is an image that the disciples, as, as you've mentioned, uh, they, they would have been familiar with that, not only because it, it's, it was a common, uh, you know, just a common uh, a part of their everyday lives uh, in that time period, but they would have been familiar with the Old Testament imagery here and, and um, how the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea had, had written about Israel being God's vine. Jesus seems to be drawing from that. He seems to be drawing particularly from Isaiah 5. Uh, passage where it talks about how God planted God, uh, Israel is God's vineyard and God planted them God cared for them and it says there in Isaiah 5 2 he expected it to yield good grapes but it yielded worthless grapes so it seems like that's 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 in the background of what Jesus is saying here so they, they would have been uh, familiar with with that the scripture they would have been familiar with just the you know life in, in their day they would have understood about growing grapes and harvesting grapes but it's it's really it's all about this vital connection between the branches and the vine it's about the necessity for disciples of jesus to stay connected to jesus because he's the source of our life he's the source of growth and, and fruitfulness i think the key word i mean if there's a key word in in this uh, an important word is the word remain or K, the King James is the word abide. And it's a key word here because in verses four to nine, it's used eight times in those, mm -hmm. those few verses. Um, and by, by the way, that word remain or abide. I thought this was interesting. That's the verb form of the word mansion or rooms back in chapter 14. <laughs> we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So dwelling. Uh, dwell, yeah, a dwelling. So this is the verb form of that word, uh, translated mansion or room or dwelling place in, in chapter 14. In chapter 15, verse 4, it says, uh, it talks about make me your dwelling place as I make you my dwelling place, Jesus said. Same, same word. Make me your dwelling place. That, that's the idea. That's kind of the idea here. And it's um, it's a command. The first verse four here, the first time you see that uh, to to remain or abide in him, that, that's a command. And it has an ongoing emphasis. Uh, in other words, it's not something you do. It's not something you you fulfill this command with just a single act. It means to remain or abide. It, it means it's this is a moment by moment decision it's an everyday every moment decision to follow christ and, and to be and to live in a continual dependence on on him on the indwelling christ for living the christian life he, he talks about why this is is so important in verses four and five he says because a branch can't produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine uh, the the one who remains in me and I in him, he says, produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And that's that's an important verse for us. You can do nothing without me. And nothing, I mean, what does he, what does he mean by you can do nothing? He, he means we can do nothing 
as believers, as followers of Christ, we can do nothing that's acceptable to God. We can do nothing that's honoring to him or that bears fruit apart from the indwelling Christ in us. You know, what's what's the real key to, to your effectiveness as a teacher and as a leader of your Bible study group? It's Jesus in you. That's mm -hmm. why it's why it's important that we think about how we we need to be teaching out of the overflow of what he's doing in us. We're not just there on Sunday to or whatever day of the week. We're not just there to impart information. I mean, what we're doing is much more than that. You know, I am I'm a I I, I love fountain pens. I, I have I have I don't know how many fountain pens I have, I have but I, I typically write with a fountain pen. And I have some fountain pens that are are really really nice, you know, rather rather uh, costly, expensive fountain pens. And I have some that are just cheap. Um, and I, the thing about a fountain pen is that a dry pen doesn't write. <laughs> right? I don't care how nice the pen is and how <clears throat> how pretty it is, how attractive it is. Uh, a dry pen doesn't write. Uh, I can take the cheapest pen I have, the cheapest pen I own. And if there's ink in it, uh, it writes. It typically, it writes. Uh, so the cheapest pen I have is more useful to me. The, cheap, the cheapest pen with ink in it is more useful than the most expensive, fanciest pen that's dry. And so I, I think, you know, that kind of gets at what this is, is saying. The, the main point of what this is all about is just how... Our effectiveness and our fruitfulness as believers, it's all about him in us. That if we're empty, we're not effective. If we're empty, we're not fruitful. In a quick source, in the dig deeper section, it's entitled Abiding in the Vine. And there's six things that it points to, that article points to from John 15, that are results of us abiding in Christ. And I found this helpful. Mm -hmm. Number one is prayer will be answered, which is verse seven. Number two, the Father will be glorified by answering prayers, which is verse 8. Evidence of being a Christ follower, verse 8 as well. Knowing Christ's love, verse 9. Keeping Christ's commandments, verse 10. And a joy that is abundant and complete, verse 11. So those six things which come through this passage help me think through what it means for us to abide you can't have those results without the abiding. One thing that, that strikes me here is this idea of pruning. Because usually when we prune a, something, um, we discard it. We get rid of that. Uh, we either shred it or something. Um, should we think the same thing here when we think about pruning? Uh, yeah, this, this, is a, this is a figure of speech. It's an analogy, a figure of speech, and figures of speech are used to make a point. And you can push a figure of speech beyond that point to make it say something it was never intended to say. And so that's always a, a caution. It's always something we, we want to be careful for in interpreting metaphors or figures of speech in Scripture. So here, this, this whole the question you asked, the question you raised about pruning, I want to make it say more than than what Jesus was was saying. What what Jesus is talking about here is fruitfulness. That the Father, the Heavenly Father, He's the gardener here. 
and his father's concern is for our fruitfulness because a branch's purpose is to produce fruit that's what the purpose of that branch is it's it's to produce fruit and the pruning is to maximize its the fruit production pruning is not a negative thing pruning is a positive thing it's a good thing if you have a gardener in your group uh, this would be a good place to have a gardener talk about why we prune. Why, why do you prune? You know, I, I've never I've never grown grapes, um, but I've, I've grown other things in my garden that required pruning, like roses. You know, I, 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 can, t I can talk about pruning rose bushes. I understand a little bit about rose bushes and, and the concepts the same. The idea is the same. I don't I didn't I don't prune my rose bushes to punish them. I don't prune them because you, you know as a negative thing it's it's a positive thing because even though a rose bush will survive without an annual pruning if you don't prune it eventually it becomes a weaker plant with smaller blooms it's more prone to pest it's more prone to disease same with same with grapevines pruning any plant allows that plant or that vine to channel its energy and resources into making fruit and that's the purpose of pruning so god's pruning of us might mean that he he's he's wanting to remove some things in us that may, maybe they're not wrong in themselves but these things distract us from from our fruitfulness uh, and, and I, so I think this verse, I think these verses ought to be an encouragement to us that God, God is working in us to, for our growth, for our fruitfulness, for our effectiveness, that God wants to, to work in us, to make us more fruitful. That should be an encouraging thing for us. It's a, it's another way of saying, uh, shaping us so that we can be what we're created to be it's shaping and molding just as much as it is getting rid of something that is not producing yeah 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 he wants that's... us to live out our purpose and and that's 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 how he does that that's really good uh jesus talked about fruit um what kind was he talking about was he referencing spiritual fruit new believers or both how should we how should we unpack that for our groups mm-hmm um, I, I think you could make a case for either or both. The case for um, fruit as winning others to Christ uh, could could be made here because there's there's an emphasis on going and bearing fruit. So if you look at verse 16, he says, I, I've wanted you to go and produce fruit. So I mean you you could you could make a case here that it's it's about going and bearing fruit, which would be, new believers i think the case for uh understanding fruit as as more um qualities of, of one's character christian character or the fruit of the spirit i think you can make a stronger case for that yeah yeah uh because i you know you look at the passage just read the whole passage loving one another that's a strong emphasis here um uh he, he says uh verse 16 you didn't you did not choose me i chose you i appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in, in, in the father in my name he'll give you this is what i command you love one another so it's like bearing fruit 
it's, it sounds like it's almost the same as saying obey his commands. Mm -hmm. Like he, he talks about bearing fruit, obeying his commands, all in, in it's all in one one thought there. And Jesus's command here is to love one another. It's that inner that quality, Christian quality of character through the spirit, love. So if if bearing fruit is is synonymous with obeying his commands, and in one sense it it is as talking about the same thing, well, his commands include loving one another and making disciples. That's a part of his commands as well. So I think John 15, it's about bearing character fruit, but bearing character fruit is never an end to itself, but that's a means of blessing others, of other others being blessed through, through what God is doing in our lives. So I, I think we could talk about both kinds of fruit here. Yeah, this is a really good place as well to bring in the, the key doctrine and to talk about sanctification because the imagery here, he's he's talking about growth, right? The growth and specifically uh, of a vine uh, and pruning it so that it will bear even more fruit. Uh, well, that is just a picture of how we are intended to grow. <laughs> we should not we should not look the same that we did last year. If we're believers, we should be growing in these, in these areas. And so sanctification is the word, um, uh, in our key doctrine. And so it, it, this is a good opportunity here to, to, ex to teach about that, to explain what that is, the process of spiritual maturity, growing in our faith, the Holy spirit does this work in us. So we're thankful for that. Um, but this, that's just one, one little idea that, this would be a good place to talk about that. Uh, okay, one more question. In verse, in verse 16, he says, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Uh, I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain. How, uh, how can we help leaders navigate this, um, this verse or these verses? Uh, what questions might arise that we could help them to know how to answer? Yeah, this um, this is one of those things we start talking about. Um, God, we didn't choose Him; He chose us. I mean, I know there's there will be questions raised, perhaps that we need to we need to deal carefully with these things. And and my my advice is not to let current theological debates obscure the meaning of what Jesus is saying. Uh, and that's that's the danger. That that's the danger. Because we we read about choosing choice, uh, and and we our minds immediately go to current current discussions, current debates, and totally miss the point of what Jesus is saying here. God's choosing us in the New Testament. God's choosing us. This is this way of saying that God always takes the initiative. Mm -hmm. He He chose us. He took the initiative. We love because He first loved us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. I mean, I mean, yeah, we chose we chose to respond to his choosing us. God chose us, and we are free to receive or reject uh, his offer of salvation, and we're responsible for that choice. So we're in no way of saying that we are, you know, we have no responsibility here or accountability in the choice that we make. We do, but the the point that is being made here is that God 
takes the initiative mm -hmm. to choose us. And here, the, the choosing and the appointing of the disciples, it's not for some special privilege being selected to, to be a part of some elite group. But the choosing and the appointing is for the specific purpose of going and bearing fruit. Yes. That's what it's talking about. Yeah. You didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce fruit. That's 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 the point of the choosing here. So it's not about privilege, it's not about status, it's about purpose. Mm -hmm. Why did God choose us? He chose us for the purpose of going and bearing fruit. So the bigger issue for us here, rather than getting lost in that in a, in a discussion that really this doesn't even address, the bigger issue is, well, how do we account for our lack of fruitfulness? Yeah. What? What? Why are we not bearing fruit? Is, well, maybe it's immaturity. Maybe it's sin, some sin in our in our lives. Maybe, maybe it's because we're expending our energy on pursuing things. They're not, maybe not bad in themselves, but these other things are detracting from our fruitfulness. And these things need to be pruned away so that we can be more fruitful, more effective in our service of the Lord. Maybe that's where our discussion needs to be. That's really it's, good. That's a good explanation. Thank you. It's easy for us to get focused on the secondary and miss the main point at, in, that, in those kind of discussions. One thing I want to point out to folks uh, is on the options page in the leader guide, there's always a music option. And sometimes we get asked, why do you always have a music option? Well, part of that goes back to the history of Sunday school, Bible study groups, ongoing Bible study groups, is that they would meet, several groups would meet together before going into their, their smaller groups. And they would share prayer requests, they might sing a song, and then they would go into their smaller Bible study groups. Well, having that music idea there is a way for you to still do that if your church does it that way. But it also can be used in the group time if your church doesn't have those kind of meetings where five or six or how many groups come together first. It's also a clue if you're the person who makes or has some kind of influence on what music is selected during the worship time. It would be helpful for the music minister to know what song was recommended for each week because then he could or she could select it and use it during the worship time as a way to support what was happening in the ongoing Bible study groups. But for this particular week, it looks at Isaac, uh, Isaac Watts, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, one of the probably most known hymns of Isaac Watts. Uh, and it encourages us to highlight the last verse, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all, and encouraging the group to think about that kind of love, what it looks like in our culture today, knowing that it's produced by us abiding in him. And that's the only way that kind of love can take place. So it's a great way to use music. Uh, a song that many folks may have heard or some, if they haven't heard, they need to be introduced to it. Uh, you, I've, I've seen this particular song done multiple ways. That's an encouragement for all of us to think about how we can more effectively use music ideas in our group time. Any other key ideas or thoughts you would share? Uh, I would just add that if 
if we have listeners that have comments or questions, uh, they are welcome to send me an email at amber.vaden at lifeway.com. Uh, and that is A-M-B-E-R dot V as in Victor, A-D-E-N at lifeway.com. And I will do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, I will find it for you. Um, and so that is, you are welcome to do that. Amber, thank you for that reminder that you're available for comments. And I'm sure you will get more than you um, <laughs> thought you might have gotten. That is okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, next week, Mike, thank you for being with us, by the way, today. Next week, Bob Bunn will be joining us. We'll be looking at John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. We'll be looking at the resurrection because that's Easter Sunday be looking at the idea that Jesus is the resurrected Savior.